Welcome to episode 169 of the Muck Podcast, a member of the Odd Pods Media Network. Listen in as we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hillary Doherty. Hillary. Hey. We doing it up different this week. It's Friday and it's also episode 169. (laughs) (laughs) Opinions on 69 position. Do you have any opinions about that? Well, I mean, I got to keep it clean, so. Hey. I don't. No, you don't. I think <laughs> the 69 position is a giant waste of fucking time. <laughs> I think that you can find better things to do with your time than doing the 69. Like okay. put in the work on the actual job you want to do. You know what I mean? <laughs> Let's do a good job in the right position before okay. getting all fancy with 69. Okay. Nobody enjoys it. Nobody fucking likes it. Keep it to yourself. Leave, I, it, to, leave it in the Kama Sutra book. Hey. Yeah, that's where it belongs. Watch it on the porn and the girl oh in there is struggling God. to enjoy herself. It's not, <laughs> n- women don't enjoy it. Stop pretending they do. They don't like it. All right. Anyway, let's wow, move on. We've hey. got, hey, I've got a lot of opinions about, what else? Oh, what else do you want to know my oh, opinion about? Well, I no, mean. Something fun. Please don't, oh, don't bore me. Please don't make don't. me talk about politics. <laughs> We kind of have a politics podcast. Don't make me do it. Sorry. I don't want to talk about politics anymore. I mean, it's kind of our thing. Fuck. (laughs) How did that happen? (laughs) Did I sign up for this? Yes, yes, yes. All right, well, we got a lot. I got a lot. I got a lot. I got a lot. I do too. All right, go. What do you got? We probably got the same thing. We probably have very similar things. So um, I, of course, wanted to um, talk about... The vouchers that passed. Oh, no. Skip all that. You're going to skip it? No, I'm upset about it. All right. I'm upset. Go. I'll keep it short. I got to tell you why. I'll I'll keep it short. All right, go ahead. It's It's basically a rebate. It's like when you buy a refrigerator... And then you send the rebate in for 500 bucks, but you got to kind of have the cash up front for that fridge. So who has the cash up front? Rich people. So that's all it is. It's a rebate for rich people. And the amount of money that it's going to cost our state to fund is ridiculous. They haven't even ironed that out. And in one article I read, it basically, the guy was like, yeah, it'll be there till the money runs out. So you know, run and fill out those applications because not everyone's getting that money. By the way, it passed this week. <laughs> In a weekly newsletter, every Friday I get for my son's private school, it's already in the newsletter. Hey, get this money. This just passed this week. So yeah. y'all pay attention to how you can get that. Yep. I kind of, that's kind of, but here's and the also, thing. And also, let's not forget what they're going, what these schools are going to do. To keep out the riffraff, they're going to raise their prices. Oh, absolutely. So that even the rebate, the tuition will be too expensive. Correct. And y'all, regular folks- can't afford it. Correct. And, 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 and this is what upsets me the most. You're going to take public funds. You're going to go in the public schools and you're going to say, you can't do this. You can't do that. You can't say this. You can't say that. You can't, 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 can't. You got to take all of these state assessments. You got to prove with all the data in the world that your students are learning. They're making gains. They're learning how to read. None of the public schools are held to that same standard, but they're taking the same money it's not fair. Private schools. It's not held, The private fair. schools aren't held to the same standard. It's not fair. True. If you're going to take the money, then you got to sit and take the test and do all of the things. Oh, Broward County alone, which is the one of the largest counties, in, school districts in the country. The third largest. The third largest. But in the state here, it's, it's the largest. It's the largest, right? It's bigger than Miami-Dade. Might be. Uh, uh, we'll see. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, well, is, is on the hook to lose upwards of 200 million dollars yep. because of this 
That's two hundred million dollars. Jobs. It's jobs. It's that's the thing. It's jobs. But you know, you know, DeSantis ran around the state and told everybody how he gave teachers raises. Yeah. <laughs> he just took that he away just from took you. It. It's took, gone. took it away. It's worse. It's over. So, what's your thing? Do you want to stay with Florida or do you want to go? I'm still. I have what. Um, I have one more thing with Florida. All right, I mean, what? I mean, it's just you know the untrained uh, permitless carry pass. Yeah. Well, we let, everything bad we've told you about is passing. Um, That's all happening. The it's six over. week abortion ban is currently it'll it's currently at the Senate, but yeah, it's, it'll go through. National. My favorite Florida. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to the yeah. Nashville, but my favorite Florida story. I, I can't. I, oh, I I'm going to get tears. Oh. I'm going to get tears in my eyes because I've been telling y'all if anybody's listening, if anybody out there's listening, please go back two or three episodes ago when I told you the story of the year is DeSantis oh, taking yes. over Disney. Oh, this was beautiful. Right? This was beautiful. Disney came out last year after the Don't Say Gay was going through. The gay employees, LGBTQ employees at Disney were like, yo, what's up? They're protesting outside their corporation saying, why are you not saying anything about the legislature and DeSantis against LGBTQ people? So Disney comes out with a statement saying we support our LGBTQ employees. We support our LGBTQ visitors. And DeSantis is like, hmm, Disney wants to get involved. <laughs> I got something for you, Disney. We're going to come take over Reedy Creek, which is their district, their government, yep. basically their governmental district, which they set up when Walt Disney rolled his ass into the swamp in the middle of Florida <laughs> decades and decades and decades ago, right? And said, I'm going to buy all this land. I'm going to build a fucking amusement park and has take, took over the state, right? Okay. And they set up then rules and laws with the state where they can run their own police department, run their own fire department, run their own building departments. This is how Disney's able to function. And they take on their, their own costs to do all of those things, right? Yes. DeSantis is like, we're going to take a look at Reedy Creek, passes a bill to take it over, appoints Ooh. a board. Oh, this is the appoints best. Appoints a board that is going to now be in charge of it. And the last we heard, they were looking at, the in February, they were looking at Disney content. We don't know if all the content that, Dis movies, TV yes. shows, shit like that. And we're like, Hold, and I said, I cannot believe that Ron DeSantis rolled in here. But then I also said, there's no fucking way that Disney, with all of their money Ooh, and, and their, their lawyers, team and team and team lawyers. of lawyers is going to actually take this lying down. And guess what? We found out two days ago. They didn't take it lying down. This is my favorite thing ever. Oh my God. February 8th. All right. I'm going to read you directly from a salon.com oh, article oh, because oh, this please. explains exactly what happened. Here we go. With the line. This is what the, the, the royal the, line. The new board I, members just found out. Yeah, okay. Two days ago. So funny. In March, this happened in February. They yeah. had no fucking idea. Because they're dumb. Yeah. So the new board members on Wednesday revealed that their predecessors, the board, the actual real Reedy Creek yeah. board, signed an agreement leaving them effectively powerless. Disney and Reedy Creek struck, Disney the, the corporation and Reedy Creek struck an agreement on February 8th that gave away control of the district's developmental rights and special privileges to the, to the company. Yeah. They gave it to Disney. They're this so dumb. and didn't tell the new board. They don't have to. They had no idea. They <laughs> purposely signed their rights right. away so that when the, so this was just, this was just before DeSantis set up his new oversight organization on February 27th, so weeks before. The agreement means that the new board members chosen by the Republican governor cannot take any significant action without getting approval from the media conglomerate first. End quote. Right. That's directly from the article. Right. But but it's the the my favorite part yeah. is that it's connected to the royal 
family. Like that's how they did it. That what that, do you mean? That there's this line where they said oh. that they can't take over until the uh, youngest, if Disney? it's like 21 years after <laughs> the death yeah. of, <laughs> I think it's Harry's daughter, Lily. Oh, cause she's the youngest. My they trace God. It. And I was like, why did they do the Royal line? And he goes, well, they always do Royal lines because it's an easy line to trace. So until the death of the youngest Royal, 21 years or 50 years, I forget what the number is, after the death of that child, then it can go back to DeSantis. How about this? Well, the, yeah, the <laughs> How about this? But how so funny in the is dead that? of night. Well, and, and you know what, by the way, there was a point when Disney got very, very quiet. Remember when Reedy Creek started to happen and it was looking like it was going to happen. They came back right. for a special session in like the summer of 2022 and they did the special session and Disney was fucking really, really quiet. And that is when they had these lawyers in the darkest corner of right. Disney somewhere in the fucking top of that castle. Right. <laughs> fucking going through shit. They climbed up and figuring out, Yeah. Figuring out <laughs> how to do this. Yes. And didn't, it never got out. Didn't tell a soul. And even the whole old, old board was like, no, 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 no. We're not giving... And this now this money. new board is like, we're going to sue you. Oh, please. All of these numbskulls who, by the way, he handpicked this board, this new board. They're, They're all, all people idiots. who gave him money. Yeah. They're not legitimate, like, people who should be running a, a developmental district or, or, or one of the largest corporations yeah. in the world. I mean, the, no experience, I don't believe, in no. anything that has to do with media. And, and I mean, let's face it. Let's face it. This is Walt Disney. Yeah. Okay, Walt Disney. <laughs> for how long has Walt Disney been in in, in service? Like, dude, Jesus. P.S. Like, this is a money making industry, and they're you not thought, gonna just hand it yeah, away. You thought they were gonna give they're you the development? They're so <laughs> stupid. I love how he got played. Me too. <laughs> so, I love how he got played. Me too. And but I love the picture need. of it's him in his this. white in his white high top boots. Yeah, his puss in boots. P.S. 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 P.S they're so angry about it. Like, oh. it's so funny Let to me that about. they literally in the press were to, like, cause the, 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 the business of this board is development in the, in, in the area. It's nothing to do with movies or TV or content. Reedy Creek development has nothing to do with the corporation Disney. Right. But these fucking dumb pieces of shit, like we said last week, the moms of Liberty, you give these dumb pieces of shit, two seconds of power and they're like oh now i'm gonna come in and i'm gonna take over disney and i'm gonna tell you what princesses we're gonna have and i'm gonna tell you what's appropriate for children right. that had nothing to even do with the work they were doing it's, but they were doing this yep. because those dumb pieces and god i i i wish I, love, I had been in the room with the lawyers watching that news and laughing their asses off right. knowing that they were never gonna oh do my a god. goddamn fucking thing you know they thing. were waiting waiting for the realization to like hit. again this will never stop being the story of the year the twists and turns of this is it's fucking so incredible to me and i love every fucking second and of I it love, and good for you disney good for you good for fucking you and i love like the the, the company that gives us our prince and princesses used um yeah the royal the, the king charles clause <laughs> yeah. like how appropriate you know what i mean it's so good it's so fucking oh good my god so good for uh, it, it, to me, I, it's everything. I was like, I wrote on my Twitter, I'm cackling over here. Like it's the <laughs> fucking best. I, I, I don't even know in what universe 
they thought that this was going to be a reality. Disney was going to lay down and let you take over their fucking developmental district. Are you out of your fucking mind? Woo, They're honey. Gonna, here for please. it. Here for every second Who's of it. going to give up money like that? No. It's, it's not even so much money as it is the freedom to expand and hey. to build and to create more jobs and, you know, all of those things that happen when you're expanding your, your fucking properties in, in Orlando. I mean, I come on. Disney now thinks twice about who they give their money to. Yeah. How I about, really do. And, and how about giving your really giving your employees a living fucking wage? Go watch that documentary about Disney's daughter Ugh. that Disney's daughter did. It was so fucking good. All right. Anyway, all right. Let's get in. Let's get into Nashville because t- t- Tennessee is in on fire it right is. now with protests. I mean, God, I, the kids, I, the kids protesting. It. Forget um, about it. And this is the shooting, of course, that happened at the <sighs> Covenant School. Um, I. Looking at it from the education perspective, mm. like we are constantly, I, I don't, and, and I texted you about this earlier this week, that you don't understand the constant um, fear that educators have and constantly hearing and, and the idea of it's not if it's going to happen, but when it's going to happen. Like that's not a good thing to think about when you go into your place of employment every day. It's just not. I can't imagine. And the fact that, in a state like Florida where teachers are not trusted, right, without being regulated, they're regulating what we can teach, what books we can have. You're, you're too woke, it's CRT, no LGBTQ, you can't have a photo of your spouse if you're gay. You know, like we're regulated on every single thing. But then at the, in the, out of one side of their mouth and the other side of their mouth, they're like, let's arm teachers. So you can't trust us mm, for, mm. For, to protect your children and exposing them to all this bad stuff, but you want people to have a gun in the classroom with them. That's your solution. It's, I don't want my children in a room with an educator with a gun. I don't because educate, we're people, educators are people. Things can go wrong. A kid could grab, like, I can't even imagine like uh, uh, the million different possibilities that can happen with, with armed teachers. No, 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 no. And it's I always really the least can't. of what you expect is going to happen. I you really know? can't. Yeah. You know, and then these are the same people that are like, you know, uh, we want to protect our children, but we'll put them in coal mines and meatpacking plants, right? right? Like they d- agreed on in Arkansas. We're going to take away gender affirming care like they're doing across states in America. We won't let them see drag shows, <laughs> right? But we're not going to regulate these weapons of war. And it was it with John Stewart that said about how it, it rips their bodies apart. Yeah. Or was it uh, Jared, uh, Moskowitz. Jared Moskowitz? It rips their bodies apart. I don't, a lot I, of the time, I don't understand. Can we, like, I, I'm, I'm feeling like here's the olive branch. Can we start with AR 15s? You know what I mean? You want to keep your stupid, we've said it so many times on you, you want to keep your stupid handgun. Let's start with military grade weapons. It's too much. And then the other thing that is driving me nuts with this story is the gender identity of the shooter, which we don't know. And frankly, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't. Right, matter. but no one gives a shit when it's one white male after the next, 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 and I could go on probably for this entire podcast. But as soon as now it's a potential transgender person, now that's an issue. It's just another way to harm the trans community, and it's taking away from the issue that it's a gun issue. It's not a trans issue. It's not a drag issue. It's not a gay issue. It's a gun issue. And these people are disgusting. 
And frankly, I said to my husband, I said, you know, I would hate to, I don't want to see images of, of slaughtered children, but maybe everybody needs to see, maybe those people uh, in Congress need to have the picture shown in front of them so that they understand what it is that they're doing. Honestly, sometimes they deserve to look, if you're going to yeah. vote for it, you got to look at it. Yeah. Well, we've been to abortion rallies and there's anti-abortion people there with the biggest fucking posters I've ever the seen. Fakest. From the fakest. So- the length of my house. Two people carrying these things with an aborted fetus. Right. Right? Like late term. They always, always find something that's like, which is probably which, to save the mother's life. God knows right. why. Or but God, they find yeah. the most disgusting thing you can imagine and they force you to look at it. All right. But right. here's the thing. When rep, when, when Jared Mo- representative oh Moskowitz God, said Moskowitz. that, it, it's, it, that's the real thing. A lot of these, a lot of these shootings, it takes a while to identify the kids because their bodies are ripped apart, ripped apart. And so the way that they finally narrow it down is by the alive children, you know? That's yeah. how sometimes it goes. And he said, that's, that's what he said. He was like, you know, we don't go shooting deer with AR-15s. Right. Because there'd be nothing left. Right. It's a deer. It's a big bullet, It's fat, but it's the uh. speed. It's the speed and the amount of rounds quickly. That, that's very dangerous about these weapons. That's because it's for war. It's for, da, 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 da. It's for yeah. that. Or boom. I don't know if it's da, da, da. It's boom, 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 boom. Yeah. It's that. I don't, I don't even know, frankly. It's the fat. It's the speed. And um, we have children in school. You know, I have you that works in school, your husband, my sister. Uh, There's so you know, many people. So many people we love and care about. And it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter if you are in a private school or public school. That doesn't matter. Your children are not safe anywhere if you live in a place where these laws are not in in place. Right. Uh, They're not safe. Yeah, this was not a private okay. school. This yeah, was no, a private school. No, that doesn't school. matter. That doesn't matter. And I know people feel safer if their kids are in private school. I totally respect that. A lot of people can't afford it, right? But they said a side door was unlocked. She shot through the door. She shot through it. She shot through the door. And, and... And then I've heard other people say, well, you can have the metal detectors and you can have this. And it's like, so, so why do we have to exist in a place where kids have to go through a metal detector every single day? And I, I mean, and, and there is trauma. We have inflicted a lifetime of trauma. Oh, I yeah. can't tell you that no. anytime the intercom boop, we all freeze in my class because we don't know what it's going to say. Oh, fuck. That's not good. It's not good. It's not good. Well, it's also, it's trauma. Tell, tell me how kids are learning this way too, right? Like if you're, it's, it's like you're in a constant state of right. fear. Right. Is that how a, a good play, education system? Like, is that a way you want kids learning? I mean, it doesn't make sense to me. And quite frankly, I've, I saw so many clips this week of the most inadequate elected officials I've ever seen in my life. There's one that was going around by that, that I don't, I'm not even going to fucking go look up his name. I don't give a fuck, but he's a representative in Tennessee. And he's just like, well, my daddy used to say that you're going to, a criminal's going to criminal and a crook is going to crook. So there's nothing we could do about it. And it was like, this was less than 24 hours after three nine-year-olds and three staff at the school were fucking murdered. And your dead old dusty father, nobody gives a fuck about who served in World War II, some bullshit. I don't fucking care what war you served in. That doesn't give you the right to make dumb fucking excuses 
Because if your dusty old dad lost one of his grandkids in that school, I think his mind would change. Maybe. All right? Maybe. But you don't even, if you're an elected official and you're not impacted at all and you're still going, oh, it's a trans, you are lost at sea. Yeah. You are fucking I don't know lost. If it's the same rep who, who made this analogy, uh, it was, you know, uh, about regulating guns. Right after this happened, it was a Tennessee yeah. rep. I don't know his name either. Some old bloated dude who said, um, well, you know, Joe Biden has a Corvette. And a Corvette goes really fast. And, uh, you know, it goes faster than like the speed limit. And, the, and but it's, it's his freedom. Like, it's his freedom like, to have that car. So just like it's their freedom to have that gun. And it's not a correlation because guess what? You need to uh, register that car. You need to go and take classes and get your driver's permit. You need to pass a driving test. You have to follow the speed limit. You're not ramming people down. Like it's the stupidest analogy I ever heard of. They're and idiots. it was his way to bring Joe Biden into the situation. I have to tell you, I have to tell you, I, if this doesn't shine a light to everybody that I already know this, I can't, I can't speak for Tina, but I can tell you personally that elected officials are fucking idiots. Oh no, they're The majority dumb. of them are fucking idiots. They have stumbled into this seat because nobody will challenge them for the seat or whatever. And they're fucking moronic. I mean, look at and that. And they get dumber and dumber the longer they serve because their interests change. Their interests change from, I want to do good to how do I hang on to this? Yeah. How do I get power and hang on to power? And so their analogies, like standing on the steps of the capital of Tennessee, wherever this motherfucker serves and being like, my daddy, you have lost your way, sir. You've lost your way. And and throwing Manuel Oliver onto the ground and, and, and getting him arrested oh for, for, for peacefully protesting at a goddamn hearing where his, about his, five years ago, his son was killed. That was only five years ago. And how many his kids have died since then? three years old. How right? many kids? And so it's, it, it makes no sense to me. And this doesn't happen anywhere else. No. <laughs> nope. And, and. Again, Republicans always are talking out of two sides of their mouth, right? We got to have, we want our guns, we want our freedoms, and it's a bad guy with a gun, and it's mental health, and it's this and that, but they're the same Republicans who vote against anything to, to uh, have anything for mental health pass and have things in place. This you is know a, what I mean? Like, the they thing. don't care about people. Listen. I don't think they care about people. I'm, I'm honest about that. Like, no, I don't, no, they don't see it. No, 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 no. So here's the deal, all right? Because I can't do this forever. I can't do the talk about this shit forever, and neither can you. There's nothing we're going to say or do that no one has already said this week, and you can watch the news, and they say the, all the same things too. Here's the deal, Tennessee, Florida, the country. Until we get a majority of people in office we're in D.C. or Florida or Tennessee, nothing's going to change. And how we elect them is on dinner table issues. Fucking homeowners insurance. Yeah. I will say again, because I am getting fucked hard now. Yeah. And so like. Economy. These are the jobs. Things, these are the ways we get elected. And then when we get there, we take care of all this other business that needs to be taken care of. Abortion. Guns. Uh, healthcare. You, you know what I'm saying? LGBTQ. Yeah. Protecting women. Protecting LGBTQ people. Protecting black history for fuck's sake. These are all the things that are cream on top of the Sunday. We love these issues. They're important to us, but they're not getting Democrats elected. 
They are not going to get Democrats elected. We need independent voters. And the way we do this is we talk about fucking money. Money, money, Period. money, money, money. We can scream until the cows come home. They don't care about dead women giving births in, births in alley. They don't give a fuck about dead children. They don't care about trans people and trans children, which is a death sentence if you take away their gender affirming care. I'm telling you, they don't give a fuck. We know this. So get your asses and your friends' asses to the fucking voting booths today, tomorrow. I don't give a fuck. Get it done. Get it done because we can't do shit. I'd love to talk about Florida and all the things. I'd love to play you every fucking video from the Senate floor, from the House floor of all of our friends up there fighting for our fucking lives. Fighting, but fighting, nothing, and they can't do anything. There's nothing their speeches are going to do. All it is is putting there, it on the record. You can stand there and scream. You can stand there and cry. You can stand there and tell them your story. Michelle Rayner, Rep Rayner, got on the fucking floor and talked about a suicide attempt. Her suicide attempt. You think her friends across the aisle gave a fuck? No. They are spilling themselves on the floor. There's nothing that's going to happen until we take the power back and we do it in the voting booth. That's it. Period. That's it. There's nothing that's going to change this. And we can try to make logic. We could talk about Biden's Corvette. The guy's a fucking idiot. They say dumb things because they're not threatened. Their power is not taken away from them. Kneecap these motherfuckers in the voting booth. They're not, they're not willing to even hear an issue. Tennessee is still not ready to hear an issue. And they just lost these kids. Nope. And they're in the middle of session. And they don't care. This is the prime opportunity to demonstrate to all those kids, all of those kids, God bless those kids who went on that Tennessee Capitol. I mean, and then did you see they pulled a kid? These cops dragged a kid and then they dra- and they, they let him go, thank God. But these are kids and they're going to vote. Please, God, if there's a God. I mean, that's- Let them vote. I have to tell you, on top of these dead bodies- are a, is a generation coming for your fucking I asses. I can't wait. That's it. This fucking generation, you have put on their fucking knees in classrooms, hiding yep. in corners because you're a fucking coward. The reckoning is And they're is coming. coming for you. So get the fuck ready. That's you why- You old pieces of shit. <laughs> and I, I gotta tell you, I'm not just talking about Republicans. I'm talking about a Nancy Pelosi. I'm talking right. about the, the people who won't get the fuck out of the way. Get right. out of the way. We Women's rights were on the table for decades and you fucking dropped the ball all the time. They're coming for you. When Jaden D'Onofrio was here and he said abortion was one of their number one issues, I was shocked because I didn't realize that kids actually gave a fuck about things like that. But they're watching their rights that they've had their whole lives disappear. Yep. They're coming for you Democrats. They're coming for the Republicans Good. especially and they're going to vote you motherfuckers out. So Ugh. you better get ready. Oh, they already are. They're taking the student. You can't vote with the student ID, whatever, whatever yeah. the fuck they're doing. Well, no, but they're all, I mean, they're protesting. They're fighting. They're, they will. They're not going to forget you. They will you, find a way. Like, I like, hope to God they find a like way. Like that tweet uh, where the girl was saying to uh, Feinstein, she, she's standing in her office going, climate change. Oh. And there's, there was a comment on there that said, this is this girl's origin. Like, this is her origin story. This is her yeah. hero villain origin story. <laughs> Feinstein's the villain. You know, when she's looking at this little girl's face and she's like, but I was elected by a million people. And the girl's like, who cares? I'm coming for you, bitch. Right. Like that's it. They're not going to have a world to live in. That's it. And, 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 and kids aren't listening to this podcast. I mean, my kids are somewhere in here. I'm sure they're listening to the screen, but they're fucking used to it. Uh, We got some, we got some uh, Gen Z listeners. Listen up y'all. Here's the deal. Share, share, share. But But if your parents are listening, if I'm talking to parents, tell your children what's up. Yep. 
tell them, talk to them. It's really, really important. Register as soon as they're 16, get them registered to vote. Yeah, you can register at 16 in Florida. And I don't know what else it is everywhere else. But let them know. And when they turn 18, drag their motherfucking asses to the voting booth yep. with a sheet that shows them what they need to do. Yep. Get them out. And it's I your wonder, responsibility as parents to get them involved. Don't let them go, I don't know. No. And I really Fuck would it. like to call on uh, that young generation and at your colleges, at your schools, start an organization. Start an organization at your college, at your school. Get members in that organization. Work to get your fellow students informed. Because I can't tell you how many young people, they don't even know who the mayor of their city is. They don't know. They listen, don't know. They again, don't know local. They I, don't know state. They don't know. They God need bless, to be informed. Listen, here's, a, here's the thing. We, we can only ask for so much. Like you, you said this a couple weeks ago. I really wish people would pay attention. I wish people would pay attention too. But I want the bare minimum. Right. Like, right? Like we just want the bare minimum. Just go vote. Right. Like just vote. And if you need information, let somebody know, look it up on, if, if you align with Democrats and you have a good party, <laughs> good for you. I'm so happy for you. But like, try to find information there. Right. I, you need, do you need to know your account? I'd love for you to know your commissioner and your mayor and all this. I would, that would be beautiful to know right. your state rep, your house, U.S. house. Yeah. But please, for the love of God, we're, we're drowning here. And, and the worst part is people have forgotten how powerful we are when they want to talk about the forefathers, those fucking motherfuckers gave us the power. There was a reason for it. They didn't want this hierarchy, monarchy, rule bullshit. They gave us the power. It's time to take it back. Now is the time because we are on the edge of it. We're on the, I mean, Florida is about to tip. Just a tip. <laughs> you know, like yeah. we're shaped as a dick. We might as well make that joke. <laughs> but like we're on the edge. It's going over and we've got decades to get back from it. If we start right now, if we start right now, right. we got decades to come back, but you know, it's our time. This is our time. They've never shown more than right now, how fucking evil they are. Right. And, I, I, and I don't want to bury one of my kids. Do you, do you want to bury one of your kids? Because let me tell you something. You can be all for gun ownership. You're the person coming into your kid's school. They don't give a fuck about your where you stand on guns That's they'll true. just shoot your kid yeah they don't and care. then what then what <laughs> does it matter that you didn't that you didn't want to get on a gun registry you don't want to register your gun or, or you know what i'm saying it's, the, it's it's the most ridiculous thing i've ever heard so whose fucking country is this well if things keep going the way they're going we could be in a position where we lose power and lose it for a long, long time. I got to tell you something. I mean, and, I, and, I know and got, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be doom and gloom. No, 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 but, no, no, no. But, but, but if we don't do something soon, listen, that presidential country, in two years, the country is lost. <laughs> and I was thinking about this because we have, they, by we, the way, I've seen Biden a lot this week, honey, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, I didn't watch the last day of the union. I know everybody, you said it was good. Everybody said it was yeah. good. I've seen him try to give two sentences on, even on the shooting. And I was horrified at how he's like a like it's but he just, has a speech he, he, he impediment no 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 he's old i he's know very he's very old and how does that impediment. read this is politics no, 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 it's all I get about it. this no i get it so I get it. it going up against a desantis well do big and, dopey plato boy and my worry is with our our favorite floridian uh trump being indicted oh <sighs> 
Um, you know, is this going to be the meal ticket straight to the White House for DeSantis? You know what I mean? Like, because it could be great where those two cancel each other out and it's a bunch of bullshit and who knows? Like, I'm telling you that if DeSantis wins the White House, I don't know what America's going to look like. I'm serious. Like, I, I, I agree. Like, we know what it's like here. And I just imagine him if he has the House and the Senate and the White House. Like, I got to tell you. I, I gotta tell you, I don't want DeSantis in office. Let me just make that clear, okay? No. And I know everybody around the country has seen and knows, around the world, knows who DeSantis is. So if he gets elected, that's not on our fucking, that's not on no. our fucking back. It's on everyone else. Don't blame Florida. Y'all fucking know what he's up to. <laughs> and no one's sending in the help. No one's sending in. But you know no what else? No one is helping But you know Florida. what else? If he gets elected. We deserve it. I think this is the this is this is the path that we've been going down. Yeah. This is it. This is it. I can't. I can't. This is it. Well. Um right, so, I, I mean, I got to get into my story. Yes. <laughs> it's kind of Hillary long. has a story this week. <laughs> Hillary. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Hi, I'm Shannon. I'm Jamie. We're married with television, marriedwithtv.com. We are a couple of Hollywood normies on the outskirts of the film and TV industry, and we talk about our favorite TV shows, music, and movies, and sometimes they talk back to us. Sometimes they do. Our podcast is Married With Television, one word, on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Possibly Amazon, soon. And we are a proud member of the Odd Pods Media Network. Married With TV! MarriedWithTV.com! I'm covering the murder of <gasps> Leo Frank. Okay. okay. Oh, a murder. This murder. is just perfect for a it's Friday a night. It's a murder. Yeah. It's oh, it's murder. Friday night. <laughs> That's why we're kind of shot out of the cannon. Yeah. All right. Leo Max Frank was born in Cuero, Texas on April 17th, 1884 Dang. to Rudolph Frank and Rachel Jacobs. The family moved to Brooklyn in 1884 when Leo was three months old and he attended Cornell University where he studied, studied mechanical engineering. Dang. After graduating in 1906, he worked briefly as a draftsman and as a testing engineer. Uh, but at the invitation of his uncle, Moses Frank, Leo traveled to Atlanta, Georgia for two weeks in late October 1907 to meet a delegation of investors for a position with the National Pencil Company, a oh. manufacturing plant in which Moses was a major shareholder. So Frank accepted the position and then he traveled to Germany to study pencil manufacturing at the Eberhard Faber Pencil factory. Oh, that's like a famous uh, pencil yeah, brand. Yeah. After that's nine so months. so weird. I know. After nine, I mean, like, I know pencils have to be made, yeah. but it's just like, hello, work at the pencil factory. Yeah. Like, it's just. <laughs> after a nine month apprenticeship, Frank returned to the U.S. and began working at the Nas National Pencil Company in August 1908 in Atlanta. So he became a superintendent of the factory and uh, the following month, and he was earning $180 per month, plus a portion of the factory's profits. Love hey, this. Profit share. Hey. Love it. Um, Frank was introduced to Lucille Selig, who shortly after he arrived to Atlanta, and she came from a prominent upper middle class Jewish family of industrialists who, two generations earlier, had founded the first synagogue in Atlanta. They married in November 1910, and he was described as being very happily married. Blah, blah, blah. So in 1912, Frank was elected president of the Atlanta chapter of the Benai Be 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 Earth. Earth? 
Oh, God. A Jewish fraternal organization. Uh, the Jewish community in Atlanta was the largest in the southern United States, and the Franks belonged to a cultured and philanthropic community whose leisure pursuits included opera and bridge. Oh. Okay, so Fancy. we get an idea of who he is. So I'm going to tell you right now, this is a very uh, in- intricate story. I took out parts that I thought weren't necessary, but I'm so I'm giving you kind of an overview uh, trigger warning. They're about to get into some funny business with a child. And oh, no. so I'm just giving you a trigger warning. Um, but it is a long kind of case and it goes back and forth. But anyway, all right, let's do it. Mary Fagan was born June 1st, 1899 in an, into an established Georgia family of tenant farmers. She left school at age 10 to work part-time in a textile mill oh. in, uh, 1912 after her mother married John William Coleman, the family moved to Atlanta. That spring, Fagan took a job with the National Pencil Company where she earned 10 cents an hour operating a knurling machine that inserted rubber erasers into the metal tips of pencils and worked 55 hours a week. She was 14 years old. This is why child labor laws are important. Right. Arkansas, just a reminder, Huckabee. On April 21st, 1913, Fagan was laid off due to a material shortage. So around noon on April 26th, she went to the factory to claim her pay. The next day, shortly before 3 a.m., the factory's night watchman, Newt Lee, went to the factory basement to use the toilet. After leaving the toilet, Lee discovered Fagan's body (gasps) in the rear of the basement near an incinerator and called the police. Her dress was up around (gasps) her waist and a strip from her petticoat had been torn off and wrapped around her neck. Her face was blackened and scratched and her head was bruised and battered. A seven foot strip of a quarter inch wrapping cord was tied into a loop around her neck, (gasps) buried a quarter of an inch deep, showing that she had been strangled. Oh my God. Her underwear was still around her hips, but stained with blood and torn open. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Her skin was covered with ashes and dirt from the floor, initially making it appear to first responding officers that she and her assailant had struggled in the basement. So here we're going to get into some details of this, right? So a service ramp at the rear of the basement led to a sliding door that opened into an alley. The police found the door had been tampered with so it could be opened without unlocking it. Later examination found bloody fingerprints on the door, as well as a metal pipe that had been used as a crowbar, like to open it. Some evidence at the crime scene was improperly handled by the police investigators. A trail of dirt from the elevator shaft along um, which police believed Fagan had been dragged was trampled. The footprint and the footprints were never identified. And this Um, is like, you know. Yeah, they weren't. Listen, there's no. It's early forensics. and no. I mean, I don't want to give the benefit of the doubt, but it's still early forensics and thinking, you know. Yeah. These are things that, and they especially don't. like if you're just walking in and you, there's this body there and you're, you know. Yeah. Who knows? So two notes were found oh. in a pile of rubbish by Fagan's head and became known as the murder notes. Okay. And they're kind of jilly jangly. So let me the read them mur- the way that they're murder notes. written. So one said, quote, he said he would love me, laid me, land me down, play the, like the night witch. I did it. But that long, tall, black Negro did boy himself, end quote. Okay. The other said, quote, ma'am, that Negro hired down here did this. I went to make water and he pushed me down that hole, a long, tall Negro black that who it was long, slim, tall Negro. I write while play with me, end quote. 
Like All very right, so, jangle jingle. Yes. Like who the fuck knows what the hell is going on? So, and it seems like it's coming from the victim with the right, eye, right. which doesn't make any sense. Right. And two, like why? How, where'd she two, get this paper? And she's writing two, notes. I'm going to just go out on a limb here and say, hey, common trope of let's blame someone who's black. Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's the American, Marino. that's the American white way, right? Yeah. So the phrase night witch was thought yeah. to mean night watchman. When the notes were initially read aloud, Lee, who was black, said, quote, boss, it looks like they're trying to lay it on me, end quote. <gasps> Lee was arrested that morning. And based on these notes and his apparent familiarity with the body, he stated that the girl was white when the police, because of the filth and darkness of the basement, initially thought she was black because oh. she was so covered in dirt, right? I mean, that, that's stupid. Right. Uh, listen, the whole the police are fucking this ridiculous stupid. in this story. So a trail leading back to the elevator suggested to police that the body had been, had been moved by Lee. And in addition to Lee, they, they arrested a friend of Fagan's for the crime. Gradually, the police became convinced that these were not the culprits. And by Monday, oh. so that happened on a Saturday, and by Monday, the police had theorized that the murder occurred on the second floor, the same as Leo Frank's office, <gasps> based on hair found on a lathe machine and what appeared to be blood on the ground of the second floor so both newt lee after the discovery of fagan's body and the police just after 4 a.m had unsuccessfully tried to telephone frank early on sunday april 27th the police contacted him later that morning and he agreed to accompany them to the factory when the police arrived at 7 a.m without telling the specifics of what happened at the factory frank seemed extremely nervous trembling and pale his voice was hoarse and he was rubbing his hands and asking questions before the police could answer Frank said he was not familiar with the name Mary Fagan and would need to check his payroll book. The detectives, the detectives took Frank to the morgue to see Fagan's body. What? And then to the factory where Frank viewed the crime scene and walked the police through the entire building. That's Frank, weird. Yeah. Frank returned home about 1045 in the morning. At this point, Frank was not considered a suspect. So they're I'm, just like, oh, you own the building. You're some work, rich well, he works dude. There. He works there. Yeah. Yeah. He's or the not manager. own the building, yeah. but he's the, the, the supervisor. Yeah. He runs things. Yeah. And the only thing they noticed is that he was nervous, but like, who the fuck is new first talking to the police? And he's Jewish. Well, so we're not in the greatest, right. right? You know what I mean? We're already a minority, the time, in the deep the South, time. in the right. deep South. All right. Nobody's safe. And someone died in his. Yeah. The whole thing's fucked yeah. up. So on, a on Monday, April 28th, Frank, accompanied by his attorney, Luther Rosser, gave a written deposition to the police that provided a brief timeline of his activities on Saturday. He said Fagan was in his office between 12.05 and 12.10 p.m. and that Lee had arrived at 4 p.m. but was asked to return later and that Frank had a confrontation with an ex-employee named James Gant at 6 p.m. as Frank was leaving and Lee arrived back to the factory. So Frank explained that Lee's time card for Sunday morning had several gaps in it. Lee was supposed to punch in every half hour and that Frank had missed what he, he had missed this when he discussed the time card with the police on Sunday. At Rosser's assistance, that's his lawyer, Frank exposed his body to demonstrate that he had no cuts or injuries and the police found no blood on the suit that Frank had worn on Saturday. Frank then met with his assistant N.V. Darley and Harry Scott of the Pinkerton National Detective Agency, whom Frank hired to investigate the case and prove his innocence, oh. which was another thing people would do during this time. I mean, they would hire their own detectives because they didn't trust the police and okay. they wanted to get, you know what I mean? Who's the guy? Are you going to get back to the guy he got in a fight with? No. So the Pinkertons were required to, they, they were allowed to investigate, but they have to give all of whatever evidence they find, they have to give it to the police. And even if it hurt Frank's case, they're required to do that. 
So, uh, but unbeknownst to Frank, however, uh, was Scott's close ties with the police. So the guy he hired, right, particularly his best friend, Detective John what? Black. Yeah, Detective John Black. Who He's believed, besties with yeah, the detective? Who believed that Frank was guilty. <gasps> so, so now you have a guy who's investigating and could yeah, potentially like screw this guy over if yeah. he's innocent. Yes. So on Tuesday, wow. April 29th, Black, uh, the detective Black, went to Lee's residence, who was the night watchman, at 11 a.m. looking for evidence and found a blood-smeared shirt at the bottom of a burn barrel. The blood was smeared high on the armpits and the shirt smelled unused, suggesting to the police that it was a plant. Oh. The detective, suspicious of Frank, due to his nervous behavior throughout his interviews, believed that Frank had arranged to plant the shirt. Well, how do you know that? Right. Frank was subsequently arrested around 11.30 a.m. at I mean, the factory. These are both minorities. You have... You have uh, yeah. uh, uh, this is the thing. That's the minorities. thing about this case. Yes. They get to the point where it's like, well, black men are too dumb to write to do the, to like write these notes and like set somebody else up. But these Jewish people, they're sneaky. And that's what happens here. It's like they play wow. these horrible anti-Semitic wow. racists. Wow. Oh girl, not good. So Steve, um, Ani, who wrote the book, uh, called and the dead shall rise, the murder of Mary Fagan and the lynching of Leo Frank. <gasps> Sorry. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> I can't believe I just read that. That's okay. Oh, fuck it. He no. states that, quote, no single development had persuaded the police that Leo Frank had murdered Mary Fagan. Instead, to the cumulative, I'm sorry, cumulative weight of Sunday's suspicions and Wednesday's mis or Monday's misgivings had been added several last factors that tipped the scale against the superintendent, end quote. These factors were the dropped charges against those other two suspects, yeah. the rejection of rumors that Fagan had been seen on the streets. They, someone said they had saw, saw her walking around outside of this factory, making Frank the last person to admit seeing Fagan. Frank's meeting with the Pinkertons, because why would you hire a private detective agency if you're innocent? And a, quote, shifting view of Newt Lee's role in the affair. So the police were convinced Lee was involved as Frank's accomplice and that Frank was trying to implicate him. On Wednesday, April 30th, a coroner's inquest was held and Frank testified about his activities on Saturday and other witnesses produced corroboration of like where he was that, at that time. A young man said that Fagan had complained to him about Frank. Several former employees spoke about Frank flirting with other women and one said she was actually propositioned. Now... Uh -oh. Who, you know, but are these women or girls? Cause that's different. That's true. You know what I mean? But again, does that make him a rapist and a murderer no, of a 14 no. year old? That's what I'm saying. Like if he's like trying you know? to like hit on some, you know, come on 20 something year old factory worker, it's yeah. different than raping a child. Yeah. The detectives admitted that quote, uh. they, they so far had obtained no conclusive evidence or clues in the baffling mystery End quote, Lee and Frank were both ordered to be detained. So here's this other suspect. Well, and the door was open. The door was tampered with. So yeah. that means anybody yeah. could yeah. come in and out. And if she was in and out of the alley, someone could just walk in that alley or followed her in or who knows. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of And Frank wouldn't have to break open the door to get in there. No. Right? No. So, okay. So here's another suspect. The prosecution based much of its case on the testimony of Jim Conley, the factory's janitor. And he is who is believed by many historians to be the actual <gasps> murderer. The police had arrested Conley on May 1st after he had been seen washing red stains out of a blue work shirt. Detectives examined it for blood, but determined it was rust, as Conley had claimed, and returned it to him. All right. 
we don't have we don't have scientists looking at this. It could have been blood. What is it? Oh, it's and, just and rust. What year? What year is this? 18? 1910. Oh, 1910. They have some forensic stuff going on that Come they on. could determine whether that was blood or not. I mean, they looked at it. What the fuck kind of bullshit is that? And rust? Like, I know rust is like orangey, but why would you? I don't know. Conley was still in um, police custody two weeks later when he gave his first formal statement. So now he's been in custody two weeks and he's, he's like, all right, I'll give a statement. Two weeks to think of a story. Right. <laughs> he said that on the day of the murder, he had been visiting saloons, shooting dice and drinking. His story was called into question when a witness told detectives that quote, a black Negro dressed in a dark blue clothing and hat end quote, had been seen in the lobby of the factory on the day of the murder. Further investigations, uh, further investigation determined that Conley could read and write. And there were similarities in his spelling with that found on the murder <gasps> notes. On May 24th, he admitted he had written the notes, <gasps> swearing that Frank had called him to the office the day before the murder and told him to write them. The day before? After testing. This, no. After testing Conley again on his spelling, he spelled Night Watchman as Night Witch. The police were convinced he had written the notes. Okay. So why don't they arrest him? Well, he was He was. He was in custody. I, I know, but like, why not just move forward because with they, this guy? Because he's, he's saying that Frank so what? told him to do it. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Well, Hey, I'm going to murder some girl tomorrow. I need you to write a couple of notes. Remember, they, he's a black man. They don't think he's clever enough to do something like this. That's oh, the thing. Please. There's no way a black man can do this by himself, come up with this idea to write notes and blame it on someone else. I hate the South. Sorry. <laughs> everyone in the South. I just hate everywhere. I hate everywhere. Yeah, forget it. So they were skeptical about the rest of the story, not only because it implied premeditation by Frank, but also because it suggested that Frank had confessed, confessed to Conley and involved him. In a new affidavit, his second affidavit and third statement, but you can't, you know, when you keep asking for statements, they're going to change the story to right. meet whatever makes you happy. Right. To, and you keep to, them there for two and weeks. And to get out yeah. and be free. Hey, we'll let you go if you really tell yeah. us what was the real story. But did Frank tell you to do that? Oh, they want me to say Frank tell me. The, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So Connolly admitted that he had lied about his Friday meeting with Frank. He said he had met with Frank on the street on Saturday and was told to follow him to the factory. So he said Frank dictated the murder notes for him to write and gave him cigarettes and then told him to leave the factory. Afterward, Conley, so he was going to use these notes that this that guy makes wrote, no rape sense. and murder her, leave her there and put if the notes there. This makes no sense because I'm going to, meanwhile, he's I'm got, gonna, I'm going to take a shot here and say that this uh, sounds like a, 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 a crime of opportunity. Right. Right. Yeah. Like they she just was, saw she, her. They saw her. Or she yeah. was alone at that moment or whatever it was. Yeah. And it was in that moment. Absolutely. It wasn't like, let me plan. Let me write. Let me. It's like Jean Benet Ramsey with yes. these notes here. Give me a break. Girl. Okay. <laughs> so oh, I want to know what happened with Jean Benet. That's the one I want to know. That's the only one I want to know. Well, I think oh, we'll have to. Oh, I think uh, we've talked brother? about her here. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's the brother. Pineapple? Like pineapple? Yes. <laughs> in the oh milk? Is it God, pineapple? The pineapple. <laughs> was it in the milk? But I it don't was some remember. kind something of snack. Like that. It was a snack. Oh, God. Oh, that baby. So after he said he left the factory, Conley said he went out drinking and saw a movie. He said he did not return or he did not learn of the mur murder until he went to work on Monday. The police were satisfied with the news story and both the Atlanta Journal and La Atlanta Georgian gave the story front page coverage. On May 29th, Conley was interviewed for four hours again and in his new affidavit <laughs> said that Frank told him quote he had picked up a girl back there and let her fall and that he had 
that her head hit something against something, end quote. And Conley said he and Frank took the body to the basement via the elevator, then returned to Frank's office where the murder notes were dictated. He said Frank gave him $200, but then took it back saying, quote, let me have that and I will make it right with you on Monday if I live and nothing happens, end quote. That's what he said Frank told him. So Conley's affidavit concluded, quote, the reason I have not told you this before is I thought Mr. Frank would get out and help me out. And I decided to tell the whole truth about this matter. End quote. This is the stupidest story I ever heard. And then. So, but what about the assault? She just fell and hit her head. And so now we got to make up these notes and I need you to, this does not make any sense. And she was strangled. Yeah. So like, when did that happen? If she fell and hit her head. Why would he? Why do you need to strangle somebody? I guess. Maybe if you're, if you rape her, then you, she'll, she could identify you. I know, but if she hit her head and but I don't know if it was hard. Yeah. I don't know if he's, he's implying that. Yeah. Uh, maybe he's implying that she died with her head, with her right, head injury. Right, because he's going to move the body. It doesn't make any sense. I know. And then at trial, Conley changed his story concerning the $200. <laughs> he said Frank decided to withhold the money until Conley had burned Fagan's body in the basement furnace. The Atlanta Georgian had hired William Manning Smith to represent Conley for $40, and Smith was known for specializing in representing black clients and had successfully defended a black man against an accusation of rape by a white woman. On February 24th, 1914, Conley was sentenced to a year in jail for being an accomplice after the fact of the murder of, uh, to the murder of Mary Fagan. Okay, so now we get into Frank's trial, which is crazy, messy, and, you know, wild. On May 23rd, 1913, a grand jury convened to hear evidence for the indictment against Leo Frank for the, for this murder. The prosecutor, Hugh Dorsey, presented only enough information to obtain the indictment, assuring the jury that additional information would be provided during the trial. The next day, May 24th, the jury voted to indict him. Um, wow. Meanwhile, Frank's legal team suggested to the media that Jim Conley was the actual killer I mean, and put sense. pressure on another grand jury to indict him. The jury foreman on his own authority convened the jury on July 21st on Dorsey's advice and they decided not to indict Conley. Which is surprising. Yeah. On July 28th, I mean, 1913. Evidence. It doesn't make sense. The trial began at the Fulton County Superior Court. The judge, Leonard S. Rowan, had been serving as a judge in Georgia since 1900. The prosecution team was led by Dorsey and included William Smith, who was Conley's attorney. That makes sense. Somebody who's actually, this is people conf- think, conflicts. yeah. Frank was represented by a team of eight lawyers led by Luther Rosser. In addition to the hundreds of spectators inside, a large crowd gathered outside to watch the trial through the windows. Both wow. legal teams in planning their trial strategy considered the implications of trying a white man based on the testimony of a black man in front of an early 1900s Georgia, Georgia jury. Jeffrey Melnick, author of Black Jewish Relations on Trial, Leo Frank and Jim Conley in the New South, writes that the defense tried to picture Conley as, quote, a new kind of African-American, anarchic, degrading, degraded, and dangerous, end quote. <laughs> Sorry, I had to stumble on a couple words. It's okay, <laughs> it's me. okay, it's okay. So Dorsey, however, pictured Conley as, quote, a familiar type, end quote, of, quote, old Negro, end quote, like a minstrel or plantation worker. You know, controlled under control right slain subdued yeah wow what a fucking mess i hate this so much i mean i I, to play on racial stereotypes to either convict the white jewish man or not or or find him not guilty you know they played both sides of the race card fucked up dorsey's strategy played on prejudices of the white 1900s georgia observers 
uh, for example, that a black man could not have been intelligent enough to make up a complicated story. How does, the, I, 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 like the, 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 the mentality of white people oh. and their sense of superiority. It's, oh. I am ashamed. <laughs> it's shameful. I am ashamed. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. I, the ego. I hear you. Oh, God. The prosecution argued that Conley's statement explaining the immediate aftermath of the murder was true, that Frank was the murderer, and that Frank had dictated the murder notes to Conley in an effort to pin the crime on Newt Lee, the night watchman. The prosecution presented witnesses who testified to bloodstains and strands of hair found on the lathe machine to support their theory that the murder occurred on the factory's second floor in the machine room near Frank's office. I mean, that is weird that it's near his office, but yeah. if he's the... But anybody's walking Anyone's around. He's not, the, walking. he's not the only one who works there. And he's a janitor, so he's going all, all yeah. the floors. The defense denied that the murder occurred on the second floor. Both sides contested the significance of physical evidence that suggested the, the place of the murder. Material found around Fagan's neck was shown to be present throughout the factory. And the prosecution interrupt, uh, interpreted the scene in the basement to support Conley's story, that the body was carried there by the uh, by elevator, while the defense suggested that the drag marks on the floor indicated that Conley carried the body down a ladder and then dragged it across the floor. Floor. Oh. The defense argued that Conley was the murderer and that Newt helped Lee helped Conley write the murder notes. The defense brought many witnesses to support Frank's account of his movements and where he was, which indicated he did not have enough time to commit the crime. Oh no. Which there's a timeline. I didn't include it. Right. But he was not there. He was not there when this happened. Uh so the defense to support their theory that Conley murdered Fagan in the robbery focused on that Fagan's was, purse was missing. Her money was missing too. So Conley claimed in court that he saw Frank place the purse in his office safe, although he denied having seen the purse before the trial. And another, so he's, Again, changing his story to yeah, fit their, so the prosecution's so narrative. The purse? Did they and then another the witness testified that on Monday after the murder, the safe was opened and there was no purse in there. During the trial, the prosecution alleged bribery and witness tampering attempts by the Frank legal team. Meanwhile, the defense requested a mistrial because it believed the jurors had been intimidated by the people inside and outside the courtroom, but the motion was denied. Now, in the paper, oh. they're writing every day that Frank is guilty. Oh, God, every and you have people outside day. probably saying yes, shit. Yes, oh, yes, Um Fearing for the safety of Frank and his lawyers they in the case. They should have moved this trial somewhere else. Oh, please forget it. They did so many mistakes. Fearing for the safety of Frank and his lawyers in case of a, in the case of an acquittal, Rowan, his attorney, um, I'm sorry, the judge, and the defense agreed that neither Frank nor his defense attorneys would be present when the verdict was read. Wow. This is going to come back. This will come back <gasps> to haunt them. So- on August 25th, 1913, after less than four hours of deliberation, the jury reached a unanimous guilty verdict <gasps> convicting Frank of murder. The Constitution newspaper described the scene as Dorsey emerged uh, from the steps of City Hall. He was the prosecutor. And it said, quote, three muscular men swung Mr. D Dorsey on their shoulders and passed him over the heads of the crowd across the street to his office with hat raised and tears coursing down his cheeks. The victor in Georgia's most noted criminal battle was tumbled over a shrieking throng that wildly pro proclaimed its admiration, end quote. Oh my God. There's nothing like a mob mentality, yeah, man. Yeah. Jesus. On August 26th, the day after the guilty verdict was reached by the jury, Judge Rowan brought counsel into private chambers and sentenced Leo Frank to death by hanging with the date set to October 10th. The defense team issued a public protest alleging that public opinion unconsciously influenced the jury to the prejudice right. of Frank. This argument was carried forward throughout the appeals process. So 
I did cut back a lot of the appeals process, but under Georgia law at the time, the appeals of death penalty cases had to be based on errors of law, not a reevaluation of the evidence presented at the trial. So the appeals process began with a reconsideration by the original judge. So Judge Uh, Rowan looks at the shit again. Okay. So the defense presented a written appeal alleging 115 procedural problems. It's a lot. Wow. This included claims of jury prejudice, intimidation of the jury by the crowds outside the courthouse, the admission of Conley's testimony concerning Frank's alleged sexual perversions and activities. I didn't include that, but you know, again, Conley, again, Conley coming up with bullshit and the return of a verdict based on the improper weighing of the evidence. Both sides called forth witnesses involving the charges of prejudice and intimidation. While the defense relied on non-involved witnesses, witness involved testimony, the prosecution found support from their testimony of the jurors themselves. So called the jurors back in and said do you still think he's guilty basically right on october 31st 1913 judge rowan denied the motion adding quote i have thought about this case more than any other i have ever tried with all the thought i've put on this case i am not thoroughly convinced that frank is guilty or (gasps) innocent oh come on judge come on but i do not have to be convinced the jury was convinced there is no room (gasps) for doubt of that end quote so he's like hey so he's, he's like, so he's trying so to he's not he's trying to wash his hands yeah, he's not and, getting and, involved and say Absolutely. hey you know it was them it wasn't me yes. i don't really know and now he's washed his hands yes. like my dad used to say i mean he said in italian but in english you're gonna be like pontius pilot and yeah. you're gonna wash your hands of the situation that's right that's right okay wow so then this the, the what next a step, jerk eh, the next step goes to the state courts they also deny it i'm not going to get into it they denied their appeals as well then the next step for the Frank team was to appeal the issue through the federal system, right? Wow. The full Supreme Court then heard arguments, but denied the motion without issuing a written decision. However, Justice Oliver Wendell Helm, um, Holmes Jr. said, oh. quote, I very seriously doubt if the petitioner has had his due process of law. Because of the trial taking place in the presence of a hostile demonstration and seemingly dangerous crowd thought by the presiding judge to be ready for violence unless a verdict of guilty was rendered, end quote. This is what, because Rowan right, said, right? right. Holmes' statement, as well as the public indignation over the latest rejection by the courts, encouraged Frank's team to attempt a habeas corpus motion, arguing that the threat of crowd violence and f- had forced Frank to be absent from the verdict hearing and, con- and, con- and constituted a violation of due process. Judge Lamar heard the motion and agreed that the full Supreme Court should hear the appeal. (gasps) Okay. But on April 19th, 1915, the Supreme Court denied the appeal by a 7-2 vote in the case of Frank versus Mangum. Part of the decision repeated the message of the last decision that Frank failed to, quote, raise the objection in due season when fully cognizant of the fact. Come on. Holmes and Charles Evans Hughes dissented with Holmes writing, quote, it is our, I, I, I love this quote, all right? It is our duty to declare lynch law as little valid when practiced by a regularly drawn jury as when administered by one elected by a mob intent on death, end Ooh. quote, right? So commutation hearing, this is when they can commute the sentence, right? right? On April 22nd, 1915, an application for co- commutation years. of Frank's death sentence was submitted to a three-person prison commission in Georgia but it was rejected on June 9th by a vote of two to one. The dissenter indicated that he felt he was wrong to execute a man, quote, on the testimony of an accomplice when the circumstances of the crime tend to fix the guilt upon the accomplice, end quote. Finally, someone that sees through the bullshit. Then, because they said no, the application then goes to the governor, John Slayton. 
So Slayton had been elected in 1912 and his term would end four days after the Franks scheduled execution. Oh. So he opened hearings. Okay, too. It's going to end on a good note. Yeah. So he opened hearings. He received presentations from both sides with new arguments and evidence. He visited the crime scene. He reviewed over 10,000 documents. Wow. This included various letters, including one written by Judge Rowan shortly before he died, asking Slayton to correct his mistake. <gasps> oh, now you feel bad. Wow. Please tell me the community. I mean, Slayton I, I know also, the title of the book, but I'm like, please. Slayton also received more than 1,000 death threats. During the hearing, former Governor Joseph Brown warned Slayton. He said, quote, in all frankness, if your excellency wishes to invoke lynch law in Georgia and destroy trial by jury, the way to do it is by retrying this case and reversing all the courts, end quote. Now, when they say lynch law, that's not on the books. What they're referring to in plain English, black and white, is a mob grabbing this motherfucker and right. lynching him. That's what they're referring to. Instead of having a trial and having a court, they're talking about stringing motherfuckers up. That's wow. what the Supreme Court said. That's what this governor saying to the other governor. Come on. Slayton produced a 29-page report. In the first part, he criticized outsiders who were unfamiliar with the evidence, especially the press in the North. He defended the trial's court's decision, which he felt was sufficient for a guilty verdict. He summarized points of the state's case against Frank that, quote, any reasonable person, end quote, would accept and said of accept and said of Conley that quote it is hard to conceive that any man's power of fabrication of minute details could reach that which Conley showed quote uh, 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 showed unless it, to, it be the truth end quote having made these points Slayton's narrative changed course and asked the rhetorical question quote did Conley speak the truth end quote right like he's saying all these things and we're believing it right but is he saying the truth? Because what he's saying is convicting this person right. and his truth changed all the time. So what is, which one is yeah, the truth? Yeah, what is the truth? Leonard D Dinnerstein wrote, quote, Slayton based his opinions primarily on upon the inconsistencies he had discovered in the narrative of Jim Conley, end quote. On Monday, June 21st, 1915, Slayton released the order to commute Frank's murder conviction okay. to life imprisonment. Okay. It's something, but it's shit. trying, it's, it's walking the line. Right. He's, he knows he can't do this. He knows he can't let this guy out because he'll get killed. Probably. And, and he, and they will, it'll be a riot all, all over this fucking state. Right. And so he's like, how can I keep this guy guilty yeah. and not kill him? So that's what he does. All right. So he wrote, quote, while the defense made the subject of an extraordinary motion for a new trial, it is well known that it is almost a practical impossibility to have a verdict set aside by this procedure, end quote. The commutation was headline news. Atlanta Mayor Jimmy Woodward remarked that, quote, the larger part of the population believes Frank, Frank guilty and that the commutation was a mistake, end quote. In response, Slayton invited the press to his home that afternoon, telling them, quote, all I ask is that the people of Georgia read my statement and consider calmly the reasons I've given for commuting Leo M. Frank's sentence. Feeling as I do about this case, I would be a murderer if I allowed that man to hang. I'd rather be pl plowing in a field than to feel for the rest of my life that I had that man's blood on my hands, end quote. Ooh, wow. That gave me goosebumps. He also told reporters that he was certain that Conley was the actual murderer. <gasps> the public was outraged. A mob threatened to attack the governor at his <gasps> home. A detachment of the Georgia National Guard, along with the county policemen and a group of Slayton's friends, were sworn in as deputies and dispersed the mob. 
Slayton had been Man, a popular people governor. People are crazy. People Slayton. are crazy. Slayton had been a popular governor, uh, but he and his wife left Georgia immediately afterwards. Wow. For Frank's protection, he was taken to the Milledgeville State Penitentiary in the middle of the night before the commutation was announced. The penitentiary was, quote, strongly garrisoned and newly bristling with arms, and end quote, and separated from Marietta by 150 miles by mostly unpaved road. Okay, so it's far away and it's heavily guarded. But not. However, <sighs> I hate this so I much. I hate human beings. Why are we so ugly? <sighs> On July 17th, the New York Times reported that fellow inmate William Crean tried to kill Frank by slashing his throat with a seven inch butcher knife, what? severing his jugular <gasps> vein. The attacker told the authorities, quote, he wanted to keep the other inmates safe from mob violence. Frank's presence was a disgrace to the prison and he was sure he would be pardoned if he killed Frank, end quote. Oh, okay. Because, you know, y'all want to run your fucking mouths, right? We're all going to support this guy. Lynch, wow. Lynch law, right? The June 21st, 1915 uh, commutation provoked Tom Watson, a newspaper publisher, into advocating for Frank's lynching. Are you kidding me? A no, newspaper this reporter? Guy, this guy was writing shit the whole time. It was really bad. Wow. He wrote in the Jeffersonian and Watson's magazine, quote, this country is nothing to fear from its rural communities. Lynch law is a good sign. It shows that a sense of justice lives among the people, end quote. Wow, man. Could you imagine wow. that? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. A group of, which by the way, what's wow. the difference between this and uh, Zimmerman shooting oh, Trayvon Martin? It's 100%. Oh God, that's that guy's That's justice disgusting. in the community, right? That is disgusting, that That's man. exactly what the fuck that is. It's lynching. Ugh. that's what they talk about when they say a black man's been lynched today when you see that right. every day that's exactly what the fuck this is oh that baby a group of oh, a group of prominent men organize themselves into a village vigilance commit committee oh, and openly please. plan to kidnap frank from prison <sighs> they consisted of 28 men with various skills an electrician was to cut the prison wires holy car crap. mechanics were to keep the cars running and there was a locksmith a telephone man a medic a hangman and a lay preacher what the ringleaders were well-known locally, but were not named publicly until June 2000, when oh. a local librarian posted a list on the web based on information complied, compiled by Mary Fagan's great-niece, Mary Fagan Keene. The list included Joseph Mackey Brown, former governor of Georgia, <gasps> Eugene Herbert Clay, a former mayor of Marietta, Georgia, and later president of the Georgia <gasps> Senate, E.P. Dobbs, mayor of Marietta at the time. Moultrie McKinney Sessions, lawyer and banker, part of the Marietta delegation at Governor Slayton's clemency hearing, several current and former Cobb County sheriffs, and other individuals of various professions. They're all going to wow. take it. In, they're going to take this into their own hands. Wow. On the afternoon. Well, there's of, the muck right there. Yeah. Jesus. On the afternoon of August 16th, the eight cars of the lynch mob left Marietta separately for Mid Milledgeville. They arrived at the prison at around 10 p.m. and electric electrician cut the telephone <gasps> wires. You ready? No. Members of the group drained the gas from the prison's automobiles, handcuffed the warden, seized Frank, and drove away. The 175-mile trip took about seven hours at a top speed of 18 miles per hour through small towns and back roads. Lookouts, lookouts in the towns telephoned ahead to the <gasps> next town as soon as they saw the lines Holy of cars crap. pass. Wow. The amount of people involved. This is an orchestrated town by town. Oh my God, it's disgusting. A site at Fray's Gin, two miles east of Marietta, had been prepared, complete with a rope and table supplied by former Sheriff William Frey. Oh my 
The New York Times reported Frank was handcuffed, his legs tied at his ankles, and that he was hanged from a branch of a tree at around 7 a.m. facing the direction of the house where Mary Fagan had lived. The Atlanta, George, the Atlanta Journal wrote that a crowd of men, women, and children arrived on foot, oh. in cars, and on horses, and that souvenir hunters oh, cut away parts of go. his shirt sleeves. That's my always my favorite I, I, of these lynchings. They're cutting away pieces of, his, of their clothes. According to the New York Times, one of the onlookers, Robert E. Lee Howell, wanted to have the body cut into pieces and burned and began to run around screaming, whipping up the mob. Judge Newt Morris, who was there, tried to restore order and asked for a vote on whether the body should be returned to the parents intact. Only Howell disagreed. So I guess we should give them a little bit of credit for that fucking bullshit. When the body was cut down, Howell started stamping on Frank's <gasps> face and chest. Oh my God. Morris quickly placed the body in a basket and he and his driver, John Stevens Wood, drove it out of Marietta. In Atlanta, thousands besieged their undertaker's parlor, demanding to see the body. After they began throwing bricks, they were allowed to file past the corpse. I am dumbfounded. I don't understand people. File past this man's corpse. He was a husband. He was a son. What the fuck are you doing? And he had just been commuted. <laughs> like he was, was going to serve the rest he of his in life jail. in jail. There's no way they were ever. No one oh was going to get God. him out. All right. Oh my God. That's a, it's a lovely, what, is, what, what, what a fucking is country. What's wrong with people? What, what, what a world. Is, Frank's body was then transported by rail on Southern Railways train number 36 from Atlanta to New York and buried in Mount Carmel. You know, his parents are there. Oh, his poor family. Yeah, in, in Queens, New York. Uh, the New York Times wrote that the vast majority of Cobb County believed he had received his, quote, just desserts, end quote, and that the lynch mob had simply stepped in to uphold the law after Governor Slayton arbitrarily set it aside. A Cobb County grand jury was convened to indict the lynchers. Oh. Although, here's my best part, my favorite part. Although they were well-known locally, none were identified. And some of the lynchers <sighs> may have served on the very great, the same grand jury that was investigating them. <laughs> How is this? I don't even know. Nat Harris, the newly elected governor who succeeded Slayton, promised to punish the mob, issuing a $1,500 state reward for information. Please. Despite this, Charles Willis Thompson of the New York Times said that the citizens of Marietta, quote, would die rather than reveal their knowledge of e or even their suspicion of the identify identities of the lynchers. And how quote. did they get that list? Maybe because they, they told think the, the family. The, yeah, the granddaughter, like, you know. Maybe yeah. they had it written. Yeah. Who knows? And the local Macon Telegraph said, quote, doubtless they can be apprehended, doubtful, doubtful they will, end quote. Several photographs were taken of the lynching, which you can see online. I will not provide uh. those pictures, but they're fucking horrific. Um Oh which were published God. and sold as postcards in local stores for 25 cents like each. This, this is the craziest thing because you have to imagine in homes across America or in the South in particular, like how many trunks have yeah. those postcards? How many trunks have the you know, scraps of, the, of clothing yeah, or whatever of where family members like, oh, well, maybe this was grandpa's shirt. No, it probably wasn't. We cut you know it off I mean? the Jew that we hung up in the tree. Right. Like, but you know, I mean, how many homes have these little remembrances lying around? It, it's again, I, we've said it on this podcast before, but we have such an ugly, hateful history. It's so ugly. Yeah. Uh, they were, the postcards were sold in local stores for 25 cents. Also sold were pieces of the rope, Frank's nightshirt and branches from the tree. 
According to Elaine Marie Alfin, author of Unspeakable Crime, the Prosecution and Persecution of Leo Frank, they were selling so fast that the police announced the sellers would be required to get a city license because, you know, the city's got to get in on that. Oh, my God. In the postcards, members of the lynch mob or crowd can be seen posing in front of the body, one of them holding a portable camera. Historian Amy Louise Wood writes that local newspapers did not publish the photographs because it would have been seen as too controversial given that the lynch mob could be clearly seen and that the lynching was being condemned around the country. So the aftermath. Leo Frank's case was mentioned by Adolf Krauss when he announced the creation of the Anti-Defamation League in October wow. 1913. Wow. After Frank's lynching, around half of Georgia's 3,000 Jews left the state. And no wonder. Jesus. According to author Steve Ani, uh, quote, what it did to Southern Jews can't be discounted. It drove them into a state of denial about their Judaism. They became even more assimilated, anti-Israel, Episcopalian. Oh. The temple did away with hoopas yeah. at weddings. Huppa. Yeah. at weddings. Anything that would draw attention, end quote. Other historians and journalists have written that the trial was, quote, a miscarriage of justice and a gross injustice, a mockery of justice, and that there could be no doubt, of course, that Frank was innocent that Leo Frank was unjustly and wrongly convicted of murder and that he was falsely convicted and that the evidence against Frank was shaky to say the least. C. Van Woodward, like many other authors, believed that Conley was the actual murderer and, that, and, and was, quote, implicated by evidence overwhelmingly more incriminating than any produced against Frank, end quote. A first attempt to have Frank, Leo Frank pardoned after his death was denied in 1982. Frank supporters submitted a second application for pardon, asking that the state only to recognize its culpability over his death. Right? So they realized they're not going to give him a pardon for this murder. But this can you at least take, take acknowledge your wrongdoing and, and, and his your culpability in his death, right? And the board granted the pardon in 1986, and it said this, quote, Without attempting to address the question of guilt or innocence, oh and in recognition, because God forbid, oh, and in recognition of the state's failure to protect the person of Leo M. Frank and thereby preserve his opportunity for continued legal appeal of his conviction, and in recognition of the state's failure to bring his killers to justice, and as an effort to heal old wounds, the State Board of Pardons and Paroles, in compliance with its constitutional and statutory authority, hereby grants to Leo M. Frank a pardon. End quote. In response to the pardon, an editorial by Fred Grimm in the Miami Herald says, quote, a salve for one of the South's most hateful festering memories was finally applied, end quote. And that's the what murder of Leo Frank. A story. What super a long. Story. I know it's super no. long, but like I've wanted to do this forever, no, but great. I can't, I don't know what to cut out. No, I don't know what. A, it's, 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 it's just a shocking, horrific, Never sad, heard of it before. Sad story mm. it's a sad story like we 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 need some healing man a we giant need, sage we bush just, yeah we do we've said that before yeah. we gotta have a fly it over fly it over we gotta sage this country and and you know the corners you know it's like you gotta sage those corners you know what the corners are alabama florida Ooh, georgia tennessee you know the south all the south absolutely that's the corners that we really gotta smudge out there needs some healing to happen. Jeez, oh man. Very, and these are Christian. Sad. These, I'm sure, were all Christian <laughs> church going folk. You know, my favorite thing about religious folks, any religious folks, they are the most judgmental people yeah. I have ever met. Ever. And it's incredible. This, this thing of forgiveness is such bullshit. 
you right. know? And the, and you know, but I, but I give them a little bit of credit because, you know, following the teachings of Jesus is very hard. It's hard to do as human beings. We're, we're failures at that over and over and over again. And we ask for forgiveness from the Lord and we pray and we, you know, I, I get it. We fail, but, but at some point, if, if that's who you are, figure it out. Cause it's, you know, you're failing at this. You know what I mean? Like either, either take it or don't take yeah. it. Either, either be the Christian you say you are or don't. And being a Christian and watching children being murdered in classroom. And I tell you right now, I don't, I don't know any Jesus that's right. down with that. I don't know any Jesus. Like we said, Rambo Jesus. I don't know any Jesus that's no. got guns and is like, let's, let's say, you know, what's okay. Children being murdered. Pfft. Fuck it. Right. And you call for the, you call in the name of Jesus to save unborn children. But when it comes to the kids in the classroom, we don't care about them anymore being murdered, right? It's women who are murdering babies, not the fucking mass murderers that are in the classrooms. Can I, do you have anything else? Cause I have something fun. No, I mean, <laughs> I'm just thinking about what you're saying and Jesus, and I'm, I'm thinking of, uh, of, you know, the biblical verse of, of, uh, suffer little children to mm. come unto me. And I think that they've misunderstood that passage because the children are suffering the children are suffering and they don't care the worst part is that it's it's an easy solve the house it's so the u.s easy. house last year let's just passed a ban on assault weapons let's just start with assault weapons pick it i up, don't Senate. understand pick it up pick it up pick it up pick it up and do it just do it but when you look it's at gonna the be, money it's, it's gonna the get money it's the nra and when the nra came out did you see the nra what they came out with no the nra put a tweet after tennessee and they put the two officers that shot the uh, assailant and they were like, Hey, heroes, congratulations. They did not mention the death of those children. They did not mention the death of, of the head of the school and the teacher and, uh, who was a sub, I believe. And, and, and the, um, the security guard, was he a security guard? I think so. Um, who worked there forever. Didn't mention the victims, but lauded the work of these heroes they, did, they didn't need to be heroes that day if, if there were laws. You know what I mean? And it's like, how dare you? The day that this happens, that's what you're putting out? There is no shame from these people. And then, and then I saw the list of who gets all the money. And of course, there's Marco Rubio with $3 well, million. Bla Blackburn, Senator Blackburn from Tennessee. Yeah. Oh, the Tennessee hey, hey, reps. Let's not even talk about the U.S. house rep of the district. Oh, my God. And this Christmas card that came out a couple oh. months ago. With everybody's family's got the fucking guns. Everybody's well, family's got guns in the picture. There's another state, I forget which it was, that allows children to carry. Oh, God. It's, I can't. All right. Let's just so, go. Wait, wait, give wait, me wait, something wait, happy. Wait, wait. Yeah, okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Oh. So today's March 31st. Do you know what happened today? Do you know what happened today? Oh, tell me. My homegirls, Boy Genius, their oh. new album came out today. Oh. It's called The Record. Oh. <gasps> And I woke up this morning and I immediately picked up my phone and I was like, oh my God, I didn't even, I, my eyes were barely open and I had to listen to the entire fucking thing. Yes. It is so good, Tina. <gasps> I was in tears. I've listened to it probably six times today. <laughs> in tears listening to it. Aww. Because like I've said before, I love all three of these women and I know their music like inside and out, obviously, you know, Phoebe's my homegirl, like number one, yes. but I love Lucy Dacus. I love Julianne Baker. And when they write individual songs and some songs they wrote together, but I know their music so well that the second the song starts and I hear 
any words. I know who wrote it. I know <gasps> whose song it is. Ooh, you know what I mean? I love and that. In their songs, I hear references to like their their EP songs. I hear references to like Phoebe songs. Like there's Ooh, almost like eggs. I continuations like yeah. of other songs. But it's also about their friendship and like these these women, Tina. These women that have joined this group and have like the way that they harmonize is in, it's just perfection. The Ooh, way that they support I have to, each I'm, other. I'm gonna listen. They, I'm gonna. That's gonna be my so weekend task. Fucking good. And when you see them together, they're just such good close friends, Aww. and they've created this work together. And they've uh, there's something about women supporting women that just yes. gets to me. It gets me going. Me too. And they're I, about themselves. They're they're all queer, and they're like about themselves and their friendships and their like it's just incredible it's incredible I have to tell you that the relationships I have with women in my life are my most cherished oh yeah relationships for sure like it's just I don't know there's like an intimacy and a closeness that like you just don't have with anybody else you know what I mean well that's what makes me feel bad Tina sometimes will text me these like six or seven long messages oh. and I'm in the work and I see it's Tina I'm like all right I'll get back to it and then I go and read it I'm like oh god <laughs> <laughs> I should have wrote back right away no you know? please I just I I know but when you say like Tina will text me something yeah. she's like I just really want to know like what do you what is what's your advice and I'm I just know. like oh. <laughs> you know that uh, means a lot to me that you would ask aw, me, you know? But I love you. I love you too. And uh, I know. And the other day I was like, can we please just be golden girls? <laughs> yeah. That's my dream is yeah. to just be the golden girls one day. Listen, we might have to. I might have to move in with you guys. When Let's I do it. With you, and me, you and your Let's husband because do yeah, like, I'm going to lose my house. Like, I'm gonna, uh, can I be a golden girl like next year? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring the cheesecake, I Let's swear. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> oh my God. Oh God, it's not funny, but it's funny. <laughs> but that's it. And yeah. I, listen, I know we're, we're we're trying to cut down on the content and yeah. I super went long, but no, I think great- it's a story worth telling. And, uh, I look forward to your story next week and not having to do any work this week. I'm I know. excited. It's, I think it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm, I, I think it's going to give us like, I, I don't know. I'm thrilled about it. Me too. So all right. All right. I'll see you next week. Okay. Bye. Bye. If you want to learn more about this week's guests, please go to our website, www.themuckpodcast.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast and on our Twitter at Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support with exclusive content, Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do this without you.